Jonathan Armstrong for this week's Tech Law 10. I'm at Cordray here in London. And right across the pond in San Francisco is Eric Finrod. And Eric and I do these podcasts every week or so with the pressing issues of the day. We're returning to an old favorite, Eric, bullying online. Yes. So, Jonathan, thank you for the introduction. Um, yeah, this was prompted by a university class I'm teaching right now. So I'm teaching young adults um, between the ages of 18 and 22, frankly. And I was asking them what you know, they wanted to write about in terms of their university papers. And almost every single one of them wanted to talk about uh, cyberbullying. And then I went to a, an adult group that I have, a, a men's book club I belong to, and everybody was talking about you know, social media and hate speech and what's going on in terms of political discourse. And so I decided to write my most recent blog that will be posted probably today or tomorrow um, on this topic. So let me share with you some of my initial current thoughts, Jonathan. Of course, I'd then be very interested in yours, and I'm sure our listeners will be too. So as we know, of course, social media outlets connect billions of people at this point around the globe on a constant basis. <clears throat> as we know, Facebook by headcount, Jonathan, has become the largest nation on the planet, surpassing China with approximately 2 billion users. And naturally, a tremendous number of these users communicate with each other uh, on their social media accounts many times a day. Why? Well, there are many positive aspects of social media communications. And for this podcast, we don't need to list them. But regrettably, there are very palpable negatives uh, as well. Uh, and cyberbullying, getting back to your point, is one of those negatives all too often. And now I'm sort of thinking about you know, what my uh, university students said. In fact, I asked them, and I said, do you know of somebody you know, close to you who was ever cyberbullied? And every single one of them, Jonathan, raised their hand. So all too often, uh, for example, a minor or a group of minors bullies another minor with disastrous consequences. The victim uh, can be ostracized, humiliated, driven to anxiety, depression, and even self-destruction. There can be lies that are spread. There can be revenge porn. There can be sexting that gets spread beyond where it was intended. Um, and that's problematical. And this can now even happen not just with teens and younger children, but also with adults. And we learned in the news recently of a woman who was prosecuted for egging on her boyfriend via text messages to commit suicide, which he did. And she was ultimately found guilty for manslaughter. And that happened very recently. And social media really has made it easy for people in groups with different opinions not only to engage in civil political discourse, but also to voice extreme accusations, to make racist and sexist remarks, and to even suggest political violence. Uh, so what social media has done is it's really made it easy for anyone to reach out to a vast audience while potentially demonizing others who they don't really even know personally on an individual basis. You know, once upon a time, you know, if you didn't have you know, the bully pulpit, if you will, of you know, being a publisher um, of a newspaper or if you weren't on the evening news, um, you, know, you might have opinions but you would just stand on your soapbox in the corner of the park and maybe a few passers-by would hear you, and that would be it. But we're in a whole different world now. So 
that gets to the point of what do we do about all this? Well, is it realistic to expect, Jonathan, that social media companies can and will ensure that these types of communications never will appear on their outlets? No. Why? Well, first, at least here in the U.S., and I'll be interested in your thoughts over there, uh, Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act um, provides that ISPs, Internet service providers, generally are immune for the content of third parties posted on their sites. And second, frankly, it's just not practical to assume that social media companies could police the many billions of communications that appear daily on their sites. Uh, these companies, I mean, imagine, these companies could not possibly hire an army big enough to get this job done while also remaining economically viable. I mean, we do know, Jonathan, that it's had in certain extreme instances, social media companies can be informed of truly horrifying posts so that, so that they can be removed, and these companies do employ some level of resources to find and address such posts, but plainly more needs to be done. Like what? Well, we really need to take this on. This is me thinking here, Eric Sinrod speaking. We need to take this on individually as people dealing with real people. Um, at the get-go, parents need to be involved in the Internet activities of their children. And you know, this can be difficult because technology advances out at warp speed, and often children and teenagers know more about spy cyberspace than their parents. So how can the parents teach? Well, I think parents need to become educated in the first instance. So when their kids are first moving online, they really can you know, work hand-in-hand hand with them to apprise them of the specific risks on the Internet and, frankly, how to properly treat other people when online. And then the children should know that when they encounter something problematical on the Internet, they can go to their parents to talk about it and find advice on what to do. And maybe this should be taught in school as well. And as adults, I think, that we need to treat people in cyberspace as we would in face-to-face -face communications. And on top of that, finally, Jonathan, I really think we need to get out from behind our computers and actually see people in the real world, and not just people who share our beliefs, but people outside of our respective bubbles so that we can understand that people with different points of view, believe it or not, are actually human beings deserving of some respect and civility. So this is my little starter. Obviously, there needs to be more ideas and consideration. And that's why we now turn it over to my learned colleague, Jonathan Armstrong. Well said, Eric. I mean, I, I find it hard to disagree with any of that. As you know, this is one of my hobby horses. And for full disclosure, I was involved in a pro bono project which was sponsored by Nominet, the UK domain name registry, called Know the Net. Um, quite a few years ago now, which tried to do some of that education amongst teenagers particularly in how they should relate to social media and how they should relate to each other online. There have also been some excellent initiatives, for example, Get Safe Online in the UK and the NSPCC dealing with younger children. Uh, and I think this definitely is an issue. I've done uh, also on a pro bono basis some work in the school that my daughters, and I have to say went to Eric because uh, uh, my youngest has uh, just had her university acceptance last week. So the school that they went to, and, and I've seen with my own eyes the way that behaviours 
can be changed in schools. Um, the headmistress of this particular school deserves a lot of credit for that. I think it's helped that some of the parents in my small, me included, have offered help. And it's also helped, actually, that this particular headmistress had a daughter of a similar age. So I think the daughter was an informal advisor on some of these prevention measures, and it's, it's helped it's a good school to start off with. But um, online bullying is absolutely prevalent. I'm not, unfortunately, surprised by your straw poll. And we have cases over here all too often of suicide and self-harm uh, that, that are caused by uh, social media. Some of it I don't think is, is suicide. I think it uh, is properly categorized as, as manslaughter when, when somebody has persuaded somebody else to take their life online. And I know that the prosecution authorities in the UK have revised their guidance just last month because uh, in, in a very short and oversimplified read, there were initially some quite tough guidelines on when prosecutions should be brought. They were relaxed a little, and I think we've got stronger guidelines back again. And these guidelines uh, are pages and pages long. Their guidelines to the police and prosecutors as to how to prosecute these offences criminally. And I wouldn't be doing justice if I summarised them in the remaining whatever 90 seconds we've got left. But it's a very detailed piece of work. We'll post it on the LinkedIn page. And it looks at things like credible uh, threats, uh, communications that are uh, offensive, indecent, obscene or false. It looks against, particularly against violence against women and girls, hate crime, um, uh, intimidating witnesses in trials, which we're also starting to see. And one of the other things that I think that we're seeing more and more of is fake profiles. So people using fake profiles to lure people in or to bully uh, individuals, etc., etc. So. So just as these offences would be impersonation offences in the offline world, then, th th then they can also be offences in the online world as well. So I agree with all that you said about education. I think that's the key. And that has to be education not only of children but also parents as well. Mm. It has to be a subject that we're not ashamed to talk about, either as adults or children. Because if we as adults talk more about this situation and normalize those discussions, then, uh, then, um, you know, th th then the situation might be cured. And I'll just give you one last example for what I mean by that. Um, as part of this not-for-profit initiative, I went to a school in Oxford. And um, forgive the slight anecdotal story, Eric. Uh, and... We um, and 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 we gave a session uh, to some of the uh, kids there, and we had virtually a whole year group to do some online testing with to try and educate them as to these issues. And one of the uh, students involved asked if he could have a word uh, at the end of the session, and I said sure. And I thought it was just a question that you normally get at at, a, a, at an event or whatever. Uh, with an adult, you know, like you would with adults, you know, what's 
I don't know what uh, what can I do to improve my Facebook profile? And I said, sure, yeah, happy to chat. And he said, can we, can, actually, can we talk in the corridor instead? And I said, yeah, of course, yeah, wait till the class is gone and we'll have a chat in the corridor. And he then told me this horrendous story about his sister the previous evening trying to take her own life. And she uh, obviously uh, she tried to slash her wrists and she told her parents it was an accident, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, and, and now he's a real story. Uh, and, and, and thankfully, with the help of the teacher, we, we, uh, we intervened. And, and the last I heard, the, uh, the, the girl is doing well and, uh, and she's had help. And the reason for this story, Eric, is it isn't just parents. I think any adult, I think, to be honest, I wasn't picked out of the, out of the bunch for, by this kid because he didn't have anyone else to talk to. I think it's because sometimes it's better to talk to strangers. And in that case, you know, it was quite a, a difficult case to get his confidence when you've not really met him before and then to get his agreement to talk to teachers about it and, and devise a solution. But I think it's incumbent on all of us as members of civilized society to do our bit to try and stamp out this evil. And as I say, in many respects, it's a crime, should be treated as a crime, and the perpetrator should be uh, imprisoned as a result. So sorry to be even more ranty than you were, <laughs> Eric. <laughs> but as you know, it is a topic that I think we both feel strongly about. And I guess um, uh, what we should say is, if anyone by any chance is the victim of uh, online bullying and wants someone else to talk to about it, um, Eric and I are happy to take your call isn't something that you should have to tolerate and uh, and and I give my personal commitment to stamping this out wherever we can. Very good Jonathan. Congratulations to you on your university bound child. I'm sure you're very proud and you should be. So this has been your weekly Tech Law 10. Um, you can tell we're both very passionate about this provocative topic. Please keep sending us your ideas for future podcasts and we'll keep coming at you. I'm Eric Senrod in San Francisco at Dwayne Morris on the EJ Senrod at DwayneMorris.com. You can find us on all these social media outlets. We do not engage in any bullying whatsoever. Uh, we seek to stamp it out. And I'll turn it over to Jonathan to bring it home. Yeah, thanks very much, Eric. I uh, would like to end on a slightly strange note. I think we're both touched by the events in Houston over the last week or so. We never charge for these podcasts. If you feel that they have been of some value in the last 200 or so that we've done and you feel inclined to show your appreciation, you can donate to the American Red Cross using plus one seven one three five two six eighty three zero zero, or visiting them at redcross.org. Uh, my contact details are jonathan.armstrong at cordycompliance.com. We'll be back in touch with you in a week or so. Meantime, I will post the uh, pages that I promised on our LinkedIn group. So do go and join the debate there. Thanks for listening. Cheers.